Here at Doxadea Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, it is so great for you having you guys online with me today. You've chosen a great Sunday to join us. We're kicking off with a brand new series called Within Us. And this series centers around some very powerful words that Jesus spoke. In John chapter 14, we read about them. Jesus is busy praying for His disciples and is asking for the Father to give the followers of, his, of Jesus, all of His disciples, the following. He says, and I will pray to the Father and I will... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And there is those two beautiful words in you. That's what the heart of the series is all about. You see, Jesus came to this earth and He was God with us. He was God around us. He walked around His disciples. But Jesus says, I'm going up to give you even more. God, not just around you, but God in you. Yes, you have it right. We're looking at the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And throughout this series for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack the role and the purpose and the person and the character and the nature of the Holy Spirit and, and how does He fit into our lives? Where does He fit into this picture in our journey with God? And we want to do this with look by looking at four different specific symbols that symbolizes the working and the role of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And that is water, air, fire, and oil. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at these four symbols and see how they describe the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, God within us. And today we're looking at week number one and we're looking at water. Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to get your Bible with you. If you're alone in your room, in your environment, please quickly open up a Bible if you have something with you or if you're with someone else, please open up your Bible. We're going to be reading out of John chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And it's really an amazing piece of scripture. And while you're opening up there, just a quick little note. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired all of scripture. And I always love telling people this truth that if you want to take the Holy Spirit seriously, take His greatest work serious. Read the words that He inspired and we put together. Um, and we've got, gotten the privilege to read and discover and allow the Spirit to illuminate these scriptures to you as well. Now, let's read John chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. It says the following. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And this is the moment where Jesus just like totally catches Nicodemus off guard. He has no idea what Jesus is speaking about. Listen to his response. He says, how can someone be born again when they are old? I mean, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born again. Jesus answers them back. He says, very truly, I tell you, 
No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. You see, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. We're only going to read this far for today. Now, this is a very famous portion of Scripture, a very famous story. And I think many people, if you grew up in church, you'll definitely know this story by heart, most likely. And what's so amazing about this story is there is a beautiful image, a picture that Jesus uses to tell us something about the kingdom of God. And that's the word being born again. And basically, Jesus is claiming two things here. He's claiming that it's the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us new life that gives us this new birth and he also says that this new birth is radical if you have not experienced being born again you are not a christian you are not a follower of jesus you're not part of what god wants to do on this planet if you have not been born again that is how radical this picture is and what we're starting off with for today now what i would like to do in order for us to understand this radical picture that Jesus gives us about being born again, being made new by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want us to look at three things. I want us firstly to look at why we have to be born again. Secondly, what happens when you and I are born again? How radical is this picture? And then lastly, I want us to stand still today because maybe God is working with you right there. And I want to ask you to open up your heart. Maybe God is working with you right now. And you're asking the question, well, as we're exploring this topic, how can I be born again today? So let's dive in. Number one, why we have to be born again. Now, as we've read through this passage of Scripture in these seven verses, the image of born again, these three little words or two words, born again, is repeated three times in this portion of Scripture. The first time is in chapter three when Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then in verse five again, Jesus answers very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And we're going to talk about that born of water and the spirit just a little bit later on. And then in verse 7, he repeats it for the last time, just like if you didn't get it, because there's this little word just before born again that Jesus uses the whole time. He's like, unless. So that's like a requirement. You cannot see God's kingdom. You cannot enter into God's kingdom unless you are born again, unless this happened. And that's what he makes the final statement. Verse 7 says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, just a quick note on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's way of life. It's seeing how God intended creation and your life to be when he created this whole world. That is the kingdom of God. To be in his kingdom is to be in the kingdom of the author of life himself. To live the God way of life. 
to enjoy the fullness and the beauty of life as God intended it to be. And Jesus says, you cannot even see what this kingdom is all about if the Holy Spirit doesn't do a marvelous work in your life, if you are not born again. I want you to really think about this metaphor for a moment because I think it's so powerful. Think about being in uh, your mother's womb. You're living in a world for nine months. And the only way for you to see what's going on in the real world out there and to enter into that world, something must take place, something radical. You have to be born. That's the only way. The only way for you to engage in this world and just by the way, as someone is in their mother's womb, you can see them grow and they get frustrated because there's no more space for the life that is contained within that little body. That body needs to explode. There's so much more space for it that you have this abundance of life when that little kid is born. And so they see a new world and they enter into a new world. And Jesus says, guys, just as radical as that picture, that's what needs to happen. If you want to see the potential and the beauty and the wonder and the peace and the joy and the greatness of God's kingdom. That's what needs to happen. You have to be born again. That's the only way. Now, I know for some of us hearing this might sound a little bit exclusive and it might sound like maybe not good news, but let me tell you, this is the best news ever. This is great news. And here is why. Jesus is busy telling this story to a guy called Nicodemus. And what we do know about Nicodemus is that Nicodemus is an amazing Pharisee. I mean, he's, he's the Pharisee of Pharisees. He's the teacher of teachers. He's part of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. He was most likely a wealthy guy. He was well-versed in scripture. He know the word, knew the word of God. He followed it to the letter. He was a great Pharisee. And to top it all off, he's also a humble Pharisee. He comes with a teachable spirit. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. What a great guy. He's not an arrogant Pharisee. He's sitting in front of Jesus. And then what does Jesus say? Jesus tells this man. He says, even with all of your achievements, your great character that you're modeling, coming to sit at my feet, your wonderful competence and your achievements in life, in terms of your religious journey, knowing the things of the Father. You know all about Scripture, but you cannot see the kingdom of God. You've read your Bible. You can literally recite it to me, but you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot even enter into the kingdom of God. That's the statement he makes. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that is amazing news. Because I know I'm not on Nicodemus' level. And I know of a few people that I've been speaking to, usually those guys sitting at the back and thinking to themselves, God can never love me because I am not like that guy. I'm not a Nicodemus. How can I ever enter in? How can I ever know the things of God? I first need to fix my life before I even come to church. That's kind of the picture. Guys, this is the good news. Jesus says you don't have to do that. Doing that will not even get you into the kingdom of God. There's one thing and one thing only, to be born again. So why do we need it? Well, because it's the only way we can enjoy and partake in the God life and the life God intended and created you and me to live. Secondly, <clears throat> what happens when we are born again? Just a little note before I'm diving into this. I want to make it very clear. 
Jesus is saying, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven or see it by trying harder. You must be born again. And now, what happens when we are born again? What's that radical thing that's busy happening? Because I believe this is one of the most radical pictures that Jesus could have used to explain what the Holy Spirit is doing to you and to me. And to try and get it into that space where we can kind of understand how radical it is. It's a total transformation that happens with you and me. So I want to use the example of this. Imagine in your garden in the back, you had a beautiful peach orchard. And it's growing the best peaches. I mean, in the neighborhood, everybody loves your peaches. It's just amazing. But then the one day, your grandmother comes to visit and she shows you her brand new applesauce recipe. I mean, you taste that thing and it feels like you're going to heaven instantly. That's how good it is. And you see an opportunity because just this past week, one of your best friends told you, Lorraine, do you know the applesauce market is going up? I mean, there is money in applesauce at this stage. So you decide right there and then, what a great opportunity. I'm going to go into the applesauce business. I have the recipe. I have the opportunity. I'm going to get it done. The only problem is I have a peach orchard in the back of my yard. So you decide to get some advice on um, growing some more apples in your peach orchard. And one of your buddies tells you, you know what? The way you're going to get more fruit is you just need to prune the trees. If you prune them well and you prune them correctly, they won't waste energy by like growing all kinds of leaves and stuff uh, unnecessary. They're going to carry much fruit. So you prune them and you very expecting to see much fruit coming in. And as you wait, you have one little problem. There's lots of fruit, yes, but it still stays peaches because it's peach trees. So <clears throat> pruning doesn't help. It will never change the peaches into apples because to make applesauce, you need apples. So one of your other friends comes past and they tell you, you know, let me tell you what you need to do. All you're going to do is you're going to take some apples and you're going to hang them on the peach trees and you'll see you'll inspire the peach trees to start carrying some apples. In fact, you're going to window dress your peach trees and they're going to become apple trees. <laughs> What's the problem with that? Well, we all know two things are going to happen. The places where you're hanging the apples, most likely they will grow peaches. Right there where you're hanging your apples, where you're window dressing. The real McCoy will come out because it's a peach tree and it will bump out all of the apples that you tried to hang there. And the second thing that's going to happen is all of those apples that's not connected to a life-giving source, they're going to rot. And they're going to be of no worth at all whatsoever. So not one of those solutions will work for you. The only way you can get apples from your peach orchard is if you would uproot every single peach tree and replace it with a brand new tree. Put a new seed, something brand new in there and it grows into becoming an apple tree because only apple trees can produce apples. A peach tree, no matter how hard it tries, no matter how much you prune it, no matter how many apples you hang on it, will never be able to produce apples because it's a peach tree. And that's what Jesus is saying. You have to become something totally new. And there's only one person that can do that. The Holy Spirit can make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
It's kind of like the tree of good and evil needs to be uprooted and the tree of life is planted in. And that's what Jesus is claiming. I want to quickly read to you guys verse 5 again. And then I want us to look at this little word water. Jesus says the following. He said, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can become apple trees unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? What's Jesus busy talking about when he's saying born of water and the Spirit? For many years, I thought born of water, Jesus was referring to a physical birth. You have to be born on this planet and then you need to be born again through the Spirit. But the reality is, is Jesus was actually busy speaking to a guy that knew Scripture out of his head, Nicodemus. And in this moment, he was referring to a prophecy, a moment in Ezekiel that he spoke of. And he was referencing, this needs to happen. The thing that Ezekiel spoke about needs to happen for you to see the kingdom of God and to enter into it. It's Ezekiel 36, 25 and 26. I quickly want to read it to you. It's a little summary of it. It's not the full scripture, but it basically goes as this. It says, when Jesus comes, that's what the prophet Ezekiel is speaking about. He says, when that day comes, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. So what's Jesus promising? What's this story that he's referring back to, that he's grabbing like a hyperlink from a prophecy that this is what's going to come? Well, two things. Firstly, it says that God will cleanse you. The grace of God that will come through Jesus Christ will make us holy. It will cleanse us. And let me tell you, friends, God will not just cleanse you that you can get dirty again. The cleansing that God does in you and me is something, He will make you so clean that you will never be unclean ever again. That's the picture of His grace. I think the best example that I've ever heard about this is when you've embraced the grace of God. It's almost like standing underneath a waterfall. Embrace His forgiveness, His redemption, becoming a new person. It's like standing under a waterfall. If someone would come close to you with a bucket of paint and they throw it onto you, What's that paint going to do? Is it going to make you dirty? Or is that stream of cleansing water just washing it off as soon as it touches you? It's like there's nothing that can get a hold on you. Never, ever, no more because of God's grace can any sin define who you are, can never make you unholy. You have been cleansed in a way that you can never be made unclean again. That's the first part. The, God says, my spirit will clean you. I will come in. And some of you guys listening to this have experienced that. We have experienced the power of God's forgiveness and His grace cleaning you, cleansing your conscience, making you new. But not only that, He says, I'm going to not just clean you, I'm going to transform you in this picture. He says, I'm going to take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you something brand new. A heart of stone is a cold heart, um, um, a heart that cannot respond to the word of God. It's someone that rejects it. There's no sensitivity to his word. And then God says, I'm going to take that irresponsive heart, that heart that doesn't want to hear me, that's hardened against me, that's grown cold towards me. I'm going to take that heart. My spirit is going to breathe over that, into that, and I'm going to make it new, giving you a heart of flesh that's sensitive to me, that's responsive, that's alive. That's what Jesus is saying. 
that's the only way that you can enter into my kingdom. Maybe you thought it was about having a lot of Bible knowledge. Maybe you thought it was about coming to church. Maybe you thought it was just about being a good person or maybe having all the right answers or deciding what you want to do in any case. Whatever you thought, Jesus says there's one way. You need to allow my spirit to do this work in your life. So that brings me to the last question. How can I be born again? So I was thinking about this last little section of our talk and our time together today. I couldn't think about a better way to land it than talking about the very next chapter where Jesus engages with another very famous person in the Bible. In um, John chapter 3, we read about his encounter with Nicodemus. But in John chapter 4, we read about his encounter with a Samaritan woman. And he meets her at the well, also known as the woman at the well. And they start with a conversation. And it's a conversation that centers around the topic of water. And at a certain stage in this conversation, Jesus offers her living water. Now she has a lot of smart remarks and prophecies and she quotes scripture. She's all busy with Jesus regarding this water picture, but ultimately she gives in and she's, okay, if you can give me the kind of water that will make me thirst never, ever, ever in my life again, give it to me. And then Jesus has this weird moment in the conversation. They're chatting about water and he's offering a living water. And then the next moment he switches the conversation around. And he says, great, go and get your husband. I'll give you both. And then she says, I don't have a husband. And you're like, Jesus, where are you going? It's almost like his chat with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, wow, you're this great miracle worker. And then the next moment, you have to be born again. Like, <laughs> what's going on here? What angle is Jesus coming at? And that's exactly what he's doing to this woman. That's what it looks like. And then after she proclaimed that she doesn't have a husband, Jesus says, you're right, you don't. You have five. And the one that you're with now also is not your husband. That's the picture that he proclaims. Put it out there. What's Jesus busy talking about? You see, we think he's changing the subject, but Jesus very cleverly is not at all changing that subject. No, he's bringing it to the heart of that subject. He's busy saying this lady has been going to a well that will never quench her thirst, that will never satisfy her needs, that will never make a whole and make her new. She's been coming to something I'd like to refer to, salt water wells. It's almost like drinking seawater. There's promise of your thirst being quenched, but all that happens is you get dehydrated all the more. And Jesus has been saying, go, You've been going to the well of men and it will never satisfy you. Let me tell you why this story was so on my heart. Because water is not just a symbol of being cleansed. In this story, water is also a symbol of life. You and I, we need water in a way that we could never even imagine. You, I mean, you can live for, for literally weeks without food, but you can make three days without water. Your body needs water in a way that it almost needs no other substance on this planet. Life-giving water. And Jesus says, I have that life. It's only through me that you're going to get it. Maybe you can relate with this story. I think it's a story that for so many people sounds like my life story. I mean, we've all been there. 
grown up, you're a teenager. <laughs> and then there's that guy, almost like this lady, that, that one guy or that girl. And you think to yourself, if I can only. And you give yourself to that relationship. It's almost like that little song of Mr. Dean Martin that says, you're nobody till somebody loves you. That kind of the oldie, the golden oldie, those ones. And he's capturing something. And we, for some other reason, in our hearts, we buy into those words. I'm a nobody until somebody loves me. So you give yourself to that guy. You give yourself to that girl. And you're in that relationship. And you, you're really trusting to become somebody, to have some significance. And then you go on too long in that relationship. And then finally you discover, this is not going to work. And when they all reject you, then you have one of your friends coming along, telling you, don't worry, don't worry doesn't matter what they think about you. I mean, you're a smart person. You're going to study now. You're going to be a great young professional. Just give yourself to your work. Just get that next promotion. So you decide, okay, I'm not, I don't need these guys to be a somebody. I just need to be a great professional. So then I go from the well of relationships to the well of performance. And I start drinking from that well. And I work really hard and I give my everything. And until that day when the person that I was competing with got three promotions ahead of me and I'm just sitting there and I'm broken. And I'm back to being a nobody again. And then one of your friends come around and they tell you, you know what, you don't really need that promotion. You're such a nice person, man. You really look after people around you. Just... Just be you, man. Just care for the people around you. So you decide, I'm going to use my gift, my gift of caring and nurturing, and I'm going to look after people in my workplace. And I mean, you have so much compassion and you're so caring. And then after three months, you realize you're not so caring and you don't like so many people. You actually like quite a few people less than what you ever thought you would like people. And then you're back to being nobody. Maybe that's you. Maybe today as you're listening to this, this resonates really in your heart. Let me tell you that woman at the well knew exactly how you felt and how you're feeling right now. And maybe in your heart, you're thinking, what's next? Maybe today you're hoping, and this is your last hope, that Jesus is next. And maybe he is real. Maybe he is who he said he is. Maybe he does have living water. Can I tell you, if that thought or that prompt is in your heart, there's no one else working and bringing that thought into your mind than the Holy Spirit himself. And he wants to do a miracle in your life today. He wants to give you that living water. He wants to make you new. I want to read to you what Jesus said to that lady that day. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. If that is you, right there on the other side. Jesus said to this woman in verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He guarantees us. And he's telling you that today. Saying, if you're going to go back to that relationship, that guy or that girl, you will be thirsty again saying if you're going to go back chasing after success running for that promotion you will be thirsty again if you're going to try and prove yourself to people through your gifts 
and try and get people's um, acceptance and acknowledgement, you will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Guys, Jesus gives us a great promise here, and I want you to hear it. And the Spirit is working in you two things. Firstly, He wants to give you life-giving water. Do you know that little phrase that Dean Martin sang in the beginning? He almost got it right. So close. You are nobody until Jesus loves you until you know the love of the Father. No matter what who says, your life has significance and meaning the moment you discover that the King of the universe loves you. That's the one thing that will satisfy your heart. That's the one thing that will make it new is the love of the Father. And today I want to ask you, why not embrace it? Why not give your life to Him? Why not allow the Holy Spirit to come and finish that work that He's starting with? Maybe He's been busy for months now, and He's starting with, and He wants to finish it right now, today. That's the first thing, and I want to pray with you if that's you. The second thing that I want you to see is that when God does that work in you, not only are you quenched, but you become a fountain of life-giving water. And if you're listening to this and you have already received the birth, the new birth, the miracle of being born again, I want to ask you, can you trust God to see that fountain come out of your life and becoming life-giving streams of water for every person around you, for everyone around you? As Jesus said to Nicodemus, the love of the Father... <laughs> It's so good for me. John chapter 3 says the following. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that those who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know what John is touching on here? What Jesus is busy saying? He's saying love is the only thing that makes you new, the only thing that makes you overflow, the only thing that gives you meaning in life. It's almost like two parents the love that exists between two parents is the one thing that gives birth to a new child. And you need to embrace that love today. So if it's you, I'd like to pray with you. Let's close our eyes. Father, for every heart that is open to the work of your spirit in this moment, Jesus, I want to come and pray and I want to ask, as they acknowledge that Jesus is alive today, they believe that he has risen from the dead and they confess that Jesus, no longer will I run to any other well. I'm surrendering to you. You are now the Lord of my life. Father, in Jesus' name, I come and pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing a new work in the name of Jesus in these hearts, taking hearts of stone and making them hearts of flesh, making them responsive and receptive to your love and your work. And then, Father, I want to come and pray for a second group of people, for so many of us that's already received this miracle from the Holy Spirit, making us brand new. Father, I come and pray that streams of living water will flow from inside of us. 
and that people will see the love and the goodness of God and how that makes us whole and new again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.